0: Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Hello and welcome to another episode of Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence's Compliance Clarified podcast. My name is Susanna Hammond and I'm Senior Regulatory Intelligence Expert here at TRRI. As ever, I am delighted to welcome you to our podcast series, which covers the very wide range of topics impacting compliance officers in financial services firms. Now, for this podcast, it gives me great pleasure to introduce my colleagues, Niall Coburn and Helen Chan. Niall is senior regulatory intelligence expert for Asia, and Helen is our regulatory intelligence expert for not only Asia, but also, by a quirk of geography, our expert for Canada. Today we're going to be chatting about our special report on China and the challenges of digital transformation. Now, digital transformation is happening at pace in China with the rise of dominant technology providers and the provision of services which will expand and diversify the landscape for financial services. There are estimates that the pandemic has accelerated digital transformation by up to three years. Firms that are involved in or planning digital transformation need to be aware of the risks and the compliance difficulties and indeed the challenges that advanced technological platforms can introduce. They also need to understand the vulnerabilities those can create for customers. Now, of course, all of this isn't just applicable to Chinese firms, but a minimum digital transformation needs to be accompanied by improvements in culture, conduct risk, data protection and privacy, cybersecurity, individual accountability, risk management, and third-party outsourcing. So today we're going to discuss and consider the diverse landscape for digital transformation in China, the myriad challenges for digital firms including the issues I mentioned such as data protection, cyber management, accountability, the need to understand the risk and compliance difficulties associated with digital transformation and the vulnerabilities, And then also emerging regulatory issues and the approach of the Chinese regulators. Now, here we're going to touch on the lessons from the Ant Group's proposed $37 initial public offering and dual listing in Shanghai and Hong Kong. Now, that highlighted a number of challenges for Chinese regulators and has prompted a rethink about just how safe fintech products really are for consumers. So, Helen, let's set the scene for financial technology, fintech, and fintech regulation in China. So what are the recent developments?
1: So the regulatory landscape in China for financial and technology sectors is currently undergoing rapid reform. Susanna, you mentioned that data protection is one of the many challenges facing fintechs and financial services firms. That's certainly applicable to businesses in China. In addition to that, Regulatory reforms in the areas of prudential risk management and antitrust are giving rise to compliance challenges, especially for bigger technology companies because of their business models and market share. Tech companies such as Alibaba have capitalized on a niche area of leveraging consumer data analytics in microfinancing activities. Ant Group, which is the financial technology arm of Alibaba, runs digital platforms for the provision of loans to underbanked individual consumers and SMEs. This is one of the company's most profitable lines of business. To give us an idea of how lucrative this can be, Group reported revenues of 118.19 billion yuan or 17.7 billion US dollars in the first nine months of 2020. Ant Group acts as a middleman in the provision of credit that is actually underwritten by traditional financial institutions in many cases. So what the company brings to the, to the table in this process is data and digital tools to assess credit risk and loan pricing much more efficiently than what traditional financial institutions in China can currently do. So as a result, Ant Group has profited and grown immensely from this business model. However, several areas of regulatory reform will likely disrupt this business model and force companies like Ant Group to restructure. Last November, regulators in China issued new draft rules on the provision of microfinancing. There are several proposals in the draft rules that could impact how fintechs such as Ant Group run their microfinancing operations. These include proposals to bring microlenders under supervision by central financial regulators and requirements that micro-lenders contribute at least 30% of loans. These proposals suggest that fintechs will be regulated in a manner that is similar to how traditional financial institutions currently are overseen. And what this means is that fintechs will be subject to regulatory requirements on reporting and monitoring for lending activities. The introduction of these new rules would also likely increase compliance burdens for fintechs. Presently, fintechs in China are not subject to the same standard of risk management and uh, reporting requirements that apply to traditional financial institutions such as banks. Chinese regulators are also in the process of introducing a comprehensive regime for the protection of personal information. Also in November of last year, regulators concluded a consultation of a draft version of the Personal Information Protection Law of the People's Republic of China. The legislation is expected to come into effect at the end of this year at the earliest, and the law takes an approach to personal data protection that is similar to the GDPR. Very much like the GDPR, it will also have extraterritorial effect on businesses and senior managers. As a bit of background to this, regulators in China have long been concerned about the collection of personal data by technology companies and internet services such as e-commerce platforms. They are particularly concerned about how that data is used or later transferred and what kind of cybersecurity measures are being taken by businesses to guard against some of the more severe data breaches that could pose a threat to financial stability. So new personal information protection laws around data user consent requirements and more restrictions on data transfers are expected to impact the fintech sector in particular because they are such heavy users of big data technology. Separately, large tech and fintech companies such as Ant Group and Tencent Holdings are also likely to be impacted by new anti-monopoly guidelines that were issued just this February. The new rules contain restrictions on using data to quote-unquote manipulate the market. We don't presently have a lot of detail on the scope and application of these guidelines, but at minimum they're likely to draw greater regulatory scrutiny over business practices at these large fintechs including how they use consumer data and the compliance measures that they're taking to protect personal data.
0: Fascinating Helen, thank you very much. So you've got these fintechs that are roaring away in terms of growth, so what do those regulatory developments mean for the traditional financial institutions in China that are looking to compete with their own fintech strategies?
1: Traditional financial institutions in China definitely feel the pressure to digitally transform and to be able to match the product offerings that are currently available from fintechs. The domestic market for digital financial services in China is sizable. Digital financial inclusion is very high. Nearly 1 billion out of 1.4 billion people in the country use digital financial services such as digital payments and internet financing. Insurtech is also a growing area, especially in light of the pandemic. However, there is a lot of regulatory risk that traditional financial institutions have to manage as they try to accelerate digital transformation and remain competitive. A lot of these regulatory reforms that we've discussed are meant to bring supervision of the fintech sector in closer alignment to how traditional financial institutions are regulated. So while most traditional financial institutions in China will likely be very familiar with existing compliance obligations on prudential matters and on investor protection, as these firms digitally transform, they will also have to stay on top of new regulatory requirements for cybersecurity and the protection of personal information. On a practical level, compliance and financial professionals that are involved in developing fintech product offerings or even in the implementation of technology solutions internally will have to have a very thorough understanding of the kind of personal information that the firm deals in and what this information is used for and really the intricate nuts and bolts of how personal data is managed.
0: So no small task at all. Um, So Niall, I mean, from, from everything Helen has just said, digital transformation is absolutely key to remaining competitive. So what should firms now be considering, given all of what we, we've just mentioned?
2: Thank you very much indeed, uh, Susanna, and welcome to the audience. So what we're seeing is that digital transformation requires firms to ensure that they have um, appropriate uh, structures. Um, which may start um, at the top. So it may require changes t- to the leadership, their culture, the need to improve risk and the compliance are imperatives, and also to acquire specialist skills that they um, may need to keep the, uh, um, abreast of the diverse regulatory changes. So the enhanced technology um, in relation to digital uh, toolisation is only really half the equation. The other half is really creating a unified compliance culture, um, which is required to manage and address the various um, business challenges that that firms have. And some of the challenges um, are not new to to the audience, and in fact... um, these are issues which have been discussed over the last three years. So what we're looking at is um, understanding what is uh, the culture and the conduct risk issues within the organisation. What are, what are the regulatory issues? Like Helen has mentioned, some of those um, important issues which are on the horizon in ch- China But also um, regulators um, internationally are also looking at how to um, bring really fintechs into the regulatory fold, um, you know, for some time and have not quite worked out how to do it. Also, firms need to be conscious of just what uh, the budget is and the resource allocation um, in c- considering what the regulatory changes will be concerning the requirements for improved and enhanced data protection, cyber security, and let's not forget um, senior management um, accountability and uh, liability. There's also issues such as resourcing and um, regulatory um, convergence issues. So when, when you look at it all, um, it means that um, firms, whatever their business model is, they must get the risk and compliance management side of things right um, and in order to once they are able to do that they are able they will then be able um, to probably obtain uh, the benefits which digital transformation pr- provides. however, let me say this or put a footnote here and that is that firms can be tempted to rush to be the first to to market in relation to a particular type of um, app or a product or a fintech um, before other competitors emerge. And what has uh, um, uh, occurred is that um, some, some stage later, Um, uh, in the cycle, because of their rush, they haven't considered all the risks, they haven't got their compliance uh, ducks in a row um, in line, and thereby they've exposed themselves to um, potentially significant regulatory penalties down the track. Uh, And that may include um, losing um, customer share or shareholder value. So firms have got to take a very balanced approach in the way that they um, set about their digital transformation and the way that they plan and structure for it. So what we've seen um, when um, Helen has also mentioned that the approach of the um, uh, Chinese uh, regulators that I might say are not only... Um, looking at uh, micro-lending and data protection, but also improving aspects of corporate governance, not only within their financial institutions, but also in other um, firms which they intend to uh, to license down the line. So one of the questions that has been asked a lot is that why did the Chinese government at the last moment Um, you know, stop Ant's 37 billion IPO. Well, the thing um, where I sit is that you're able to see the concerns that the Chinese um, uh, regulators had, that in their view, um, there were a number of risks that um, the Ant fintech um, had, where um, were, there, were, there were no real regulatory answers for. And the, the approach of the Chinese was to ensure that there was appropriate risk um, measures in p- place, because the current model, in their view, um, could affect um, millions of um, customers if things went wrong so so what everyone thought about was really the commercial angle of the IPO rather than considering um, all the risks and all the compliance issues that may flow to it um, so this, so these are some of the um, emerging rules that um, we've seen um, coming out of China such as the uh, micro lending rules and there are other um Rules that the um, central bank intends to introduce such as rules of um, uh, monopoly in relation um, to uh, companies who own large percentages of uh, the market or are able to influence other firms so just to recap um, the the main issues that firms need to be conscious of and they can um, receive the information in our China Special Report is um, the risk and compliance ch- challenges, the cultural and contact risks, the increasing regulatory burden, budget and resource allocation, data protection issues that Helen has um, outlined, c- cyber security issues that we all v- um, that are uh, emerging and that we're all very conscious of senior management are uh, liability and the unknown risks as well. So firms have to understand what are the new and emerging risks and what is expected of them in terms of ensuring that they have um, addressed these um, um, c- compliance I- issues and ensure that any um, um, a digital transformation does not compromise customer protection.
0: Yes, and I think that's a very clear message from the Chinese authorities that you know the vulnerabilities that impact potentially millions upon millions of consumers, they are not going to be sanguine if uh, they think that fintechs are going to be taking advantage in that area. Um, moving on to operational resilience, Helen, against the backdrop of COVID-19, We're seeing some best practices coming out of China in terms of maintaining operational resilience through the pandemic, and what we are hoping will very soon be a post-pandemic recovery. So what, what is good beginning to look like?
1: One of the bigger risks to operational resilience that Chinese companies had to address in the early months of 2020 was the issue of culture and conduct risk especially how to deal with reduced real-time visibility of employees and challenges in evidencing good culture and conduct in remote working environments. Some companies in China really turned to digital transformation to tackle these issues. Like many businesses around the world, companies in China were thrown into remote working early on in the pandemic. Some companies such as Ping An, a financial institution, also invested in upskilling their staff and reassigning staff to deal with what had become a more IT-reliant organization. The firm moved very early on to increase the number of senior managers in IT functions while scaling back on mid-level managers and client-facing employees. Ping An also provided training and support to senior managers and mid-level managers to help them shift to a data-driven mindset To manage large teams, and also to respond to changes in the market. Some of the key areas of training included how to analyze and apply real-time data to specific operational challenges that their departments were dealing with. To address challenges of reduced visibility of employee conduct, Chinese businesses adopted methods to maintain consistent contact with employees, and they tried to give these communication methods a personal touch. Managers favored things like voice-to-text messages over mass emails. At Alibaba in particular, the company increased the frequency of one-to-one communications between managers and employees. They also introduced a practice where team members compiled weekly reports and outlooks to circulate amongst employees. These kinds of practices have the added benefit of evidencing a company's efforts to maintain good culture and conduct as well as enabling managers to be more engaged with what their teams are doing and the kinds of frontline issues that employees are dealing with on a day-to-day basis in an environment that is, frankly, very challenging and uncertain right now.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I I think challenging and uncertain uh, perhaps puts it mildly still, but hopefully at the end will be in sight. Now, good and emerging practice on operational resilience – isn't obviously limited to China, but financial services firms around the world can and do learn from each other's experiences. And that is absolutely true of the approach to compliance. So Niall, given the focus on technological innovation, how does that balance with the need to be and remain compliant work
2: and now look like? I I think the most important aspect of what we've seen in certainly, in enforcement areas, um, is that when firms get their culture right, um, and it means that they that they have a much more healthy approach to um, emerging compliance issues, t- dealing with uh, the regulatory expectations, and also t- tightening up um, internal audit. You know, and um, and. Um, issues that flow from that. So from my perspective, what we've seen in Asia, not only in ch- China, is that where, the, where there has been um, a very weak um, leadership at the board uh, level in major institutions um, and where they have not concentrated on the most serious risk concerns within their organisations, Um, then then we have seen quite large fines such as uh, in um, anti-money laundering, in fraud, in bribery areas and in, um, you know, massive um, compliance, non-disclosure issues towards uh, their uh, customers and the mis-selling of products. Once once you improve your culture and there is a more um, integrity focused outlook, um, we are seeing that firms address serious compliance issues much earlier. Um, Now, taking this back to um, the topic that we have now is that, you know, digital transformation, when looking at all the complexities and the emerging, um, you know, issues, say, in China, where the top uh, banking regulator questioned the power of the um, country's largest financial technologies companies um, in areas of data privacy and market uh, dominance. From that, you can see that um, these issues were not really fully addressed or looked forward through or spoken with, if you like, thought through with uh, the Chinese regulators and and that is a that is a that is a note really for other um, uh, emerging companies who not only in China but also internationally to to think through and know the real risks um, that you would be facing if you if you do if you are thinking of um, you know, um, taking a fintech, you know, to uh, an IPO level, um, if you are thinking of um, increasing um, the application um, model that you have to position yourself um, as a large online uh, micro lender, it's not only your business acumen ideas that are important now. You really must think about the... um, culture, compliance, risk management, data protections, cybersecurity and management accountability. These are essential things that the firms must be able to balance um, in order to have um, a very good um, articulated structure going forward. I would like to say that I don't only think... I think that... um, Chinese regulators um, um, are are at the forefront, or I would say at the cutting edge of dealing with the fintech giants, but um, other regulators now are looking up and taking much more notice and thinking to themselves, hmm, this is an area where we don't have rules, we don't have um consumer protection in place. And I I think we're going to see a lot more um emphasis on that on this area in the next few few years, if not if not this year.
0: Yeah, I, I think on consumer protection or the need for good customer outcomes as it's sometimes um now badged, I think there's going to be a huge regulatory focus because we're in a post hopefully soon in a post-pandemic world. And it's going to be very challenging for for the economies around the world. And individual customers will be under stress. And the big fintechs, the big financial services firms must not be able to take advantage of that. They need to be supportive. Um, We're we're coming to the end of of our time. Um, Helen, Key takeaways, I mean, we had a huge discussion there, but the key takeaways from pandemic and culture, conduct risk, China, what would you say?
1: So I would say the key takeaways are to note that the regulatory landscape is in flux and some of the main areas for change include financial risk management, data privacy and antitrust. Obviously, in these environments, companies will require compliance functions that are agile and risk management functions that are agile and able to deal with constant change. Secondly, the size and market share that some of the bigger technology companies in China occupy puts them by default squarely in the center of these ongoing reforms and will give rise to compliance challenges for these kinds of companies. Thirdly, traditional financial institutions that plan to adopt fintech solutions will be exposed to the same regulatory risks as fintechs, especially in the realm of cybersecurity and data privacy. As we've seen with some of the best practices, especially with paying on upskilling and training staff to work and thrive in a data-driven world is absolutely essential, especially for compliance functions.
0: Thank you very much, Helen. Um, Niall, key, key takeaways from you?
2: Yes, so I think the most important thing for firms to to consider when they're approaching um, digitalisation is, um, you know, have a focus on the wider developments and also put in place appropriate compliance procedures to address both domestic and international regulatory obligations that we've mentioned, data protection in particular in cyber security, uh, monopoly issues, um, and also make sure that they uh, develop a compliance framework that protects both themselves and the consumer interests within the organisation. And of course it goes without saying that they've got to have an effective risk management strategy to deal with them the, the initialisation of digitalisation or digital transformation. I would also like to add that in relation to regulators, what we are seeing from the Chinese perspective and looking at the rules that Helen's outlined and that I've touched upon is that we are, we are seeing that um, regulators in our region are, have prompted a rethink about how safe fintech products are for consumers. And this will be an ongoing issue. And this is because that the fintechs got off to a very fast start and that regulation now is only just catching up. So I think that um, firms really should understand what the regulatory expectations are and be concerned about them and ensure that they have... um, the appropriate structures in place um, you know, so that they would be able to deal with rule changes as they come on board. Thank you very much.
0: Niall, thank you very much. And also thank you very much to Helen. And thank you um, for listening to this episode of Compliance Clarified. We do hope you found it both useful and interesting The China special report that we've mentioned several times is available in both English and Mandarin and there is a download link in the episode notes. Also in the episode notes is a download link for further information on Thomson Reuters regulatory intelligence. Last but not least we would very much appreciate it if you would take the time to review the podcast and in particular let us know any suggestions you have for future topics to be discussed on Compliance Clarified. Goodbye. Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence.